Put that content down. Content. The clothes on. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, we've got Trey Griggs here on the show. And Trey, from the first time we met just a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about basketball. We started talking about our families and our faith. We started talking about the business services that we offer in the industry we've chosen to work in. And I'm not convinced that folks who haven't seen you and Derek and I in the same room, like, I don't know, there, there's something weird going on, maybe some like time flux stuff happening where there's a, there's multiples of us running around, but felt like we had to do this <laughs> once I got to finally meet you. No, it's great. I mean, we do need to work on your hair a little bit and get the, you yes. know, get a more, yeah, more yeah, yeah, I get top. but outside of that, <laughs> I think you're right. There's a lot of similarities and commonalities between the three of us. The curls don't really do the whole, like the whole peak thing. So, <laughs> and as you can see, I have zero, no curls. There's yeah. None, so I guess there's the difference, but yeah, excited, excited to have you on, excited to, you know, really dive, dive a little deeper into who you are and what brought you into the industry. And the first thing that hit me when you, we started talking was obviously you have a skill set when it comes to marketing and with, uh, helping brands grow, helping them clarify their messaging. But the real thing that I think you have that's unique to you is your ability to connect individually with people. And, you know, I told you this when we met, but I had a dozen conversations with folks around the industry and every time your name came up, it was like, oh, we love that guy. Oh, that guy is, you know, so great. You have to talk to that guy. Where did that come from? How did you kind of build this web of relationships? And I don't mean to say that in like a, I don't think you did it in a sales way or any way that's negative. I just mean like, what makes it that you're able to do that so effectively? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that I've even really thought through, thought through that too much, but I love yeah. people and I love helping people. I, you know, when I decided what I wanted to do for a career when I was younger, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach because mm -hmm. of the teachers and coaches that had helped me growing up. Always been pretty social. I've never really, you know, had a problem getting up on stage and communicating with people. I think stories are fascinating. I love telling stories. I love hearing stories. So there's something about the human element of storytelling and of the experience that we all have that's really captivating for me. And I like hearing about that. And I think from a sales perspective, when it really, I think, I guess, materialized and was cemented in terms of my mind and my philosophy was back when I transitioned from teaching into sales, I did door-to-door -door sales for 15 months selling office supplies, which was incredibly hard. I was 32 years old. And it was a shock to the system, you know, for sure. But one thing I found was that human connection was really powerful in sales. And when people really feel like you care about them and that you want to help solve their problem, that's the first time that I read, uh, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. I've always been a bit of a peacemaker in nature. Uh, always been somebody I think that, that wanted to be liked. And I'm sure that was a part of it as well as, is wanting people to feel good about who I am and, and those types of things. So I think all that kind of came together. And I realized, you know, when you're somebody who can connect people, connect with people and connect people, there's a, there's some powerful things that can happen in business. And I've just tried to take that to the nth degree as much as I can now. So I love connecting people when there's no benefit to me. So if I know somebody's looking for a certain type of job and a company's hiring for that position, I want to connect those people. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy doing that now with vendors, you know, so I'm trying to find the best technology that's out there that's really moving the needle. 
and the companies that need that technology and just making introductions. And I enjoy that. And, um, and I, I like, I like being liked, maybe that's part of it too, you know? So I think there's, sure. there's part of that as well. So I think it's a part of my DNA in many ways. And I love telling stories, hearing stories and I love people. And I think that just kind of comes out. So. Oh, cool. So, so let's get into your story a little bit. So you went the teaching route, you started your career that way, really yeah. did that for several years. Like you said, you were already in your thirties when you sort of made that transition. How did supply chain, what was the hook into that? And what was attractive about the industry for you? Absolutely zero intent of being in <laughs> supply chain. In fact, I didn't even know, you know, I was like the, I was like the average, you know, American or human being on the planet, not having any idea how things arrived at the shelves of my local right. store. Right, oh, totally. Uh, so just oblivious to everything. But I was, after doing door-to-door sales for 15 months, which looks really good on your resume. And I'd say that to anybody looking to get into sales. If you do door-to-door for a year, mm-hmm. that looks real good on a resume. You'll get just about any sales job you want after that. It was some of the best experiences I'd had. I went to a recruiter. I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time. And I went to a recruiter and said, hey, I'd like to find a professional sales job. I have this experience. And the company that they had, one of the connections with who had an opening was DAT, which is you know the, the load board, largest oh, yeah. load board in the industry based in you know Beaverton, Oregon, right there in Portland. And so I interviewed with Janice Compt- Compton, who's still there, inside sales director there. I'm not sure if that's her title, but that's what she was at the time. And I interviewed with her and had no idea about the industry or about technology in the industry or anything like that. I mean, that was mm-hmm. just so green and, and uh, ignorant to all of that. But I had a good you know run with the door-to-door, and so she gave me a shot. And so I got yes. in there and I started learning it. I feel like it took me about three or four months to even know what the word integration meant. Mm-hmm. And some of these other elements that are pretty foundational and basic, what a freight broker actually does, how this works, how they make money. It took me a long time to figure that stuff out. But once I did, I realized just how great of an industry this is. There's great people in the industry. It really is an essential industry. I told somebody this morning that as long as people have to wipe their butt, they're going to have to go to the grocery store and get something and it's got to get there on a truck. So this is not going anywhere. And right. so I think that's part of it is the stability of the industry itself. But more importantly, the amazing people that I've met in this industry, there's just really not any reason to, to go outside of it. I mean, I really love being in this industry. I love the events, I love the organizations, the associations, TIA, TMSA, and you know, women in trucking and so many others. I just love being a part of it. Yeah. Two things resonate with that bit of your story. I think one is my first job and our director of operations, Johnny, who I think you've interacted with a little bit, but both of our, we worked together at a company doing cold calls for our very first jobs out of school. It wasn't strictly door to door. It was you, it was like smile and dial hundred phone calls a day. Plus then going in person, especially if people didn't answer, like going in person and showing up at the door. And while it was terrible, I mean, I I can't emphasize that enough. (laughs) I do think that there is something that you earn in those days, you know, and in that experience. And we, we joke about it all the time, you know, that it changes the way you think about it, changes the way you communicate. You become a very concise communicator because you have such little time to get a message across. And so I do think there's benefit to it, but I, I totally agree with you as well when it comes to the industry and the unique people that are in this industry. I mean, I've said this many times, full transparency. We don't have a we chose to be a part of this. Like we saw what was going on in the industry. We were in Chattanooga and we thought we got a little bit of experience talking to people and we're like, oh, we like that. We like that so much more than not to demean other industries, but some of the other experiences that we had. 
And so when you did that, you were working at DAT, you, uh, DAT, you, you know, had gotten going into it. Then what was the transition from there to where you are now leading and, you know, organizations and helping clarify their messaging? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long path for sure. And I don't know that I had really a plan to end up here. Sure. But looking back, it makes perfect sense on how I ended up here. You know, so if I go all the way back to college, I ended up becoming a communication major in college. I wrote for the newspaper. I was a sports editor at a column. I broadcasted football and basketball games on the radio. Cool. I always enjoyed evaluating and listening to speeches. And communication was something that was just really important to me. And as I said earlier, I never had a problem getting up on stage and speaking to a crowd. And never had those fears that a lot of people tend to have in those shows. Sure those experiences. And so it makes sense that I ended up here, but how I got here was pretty interesting. I think it started with a dissatisfaction. So when I was a DAT, it was a great experience. And I would even go back to the door-to-door experience and I would echo what you say. I, I tell people all the time, door-to-door experience is like boot camp. You're, you're yes. really glad that you went through it, but you hope you never have to do it again. Right. You know, it's one yep. of those kind of things. Yep. And but I remember being a DAT and just kind of learning the corporate, you know, life and some of those kind of things. And just becoming kind of dissatisfied. And I didn't even, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I left DAT. I went to a startup, kind of similar story, came, became dissatisfied after three years of that. Went to Trucker Tools, was dissatisfied. Went to HubTech, was dissatisfied. Went to Lean, was dissatisfied. And it wasn't the companies. It was me. It was me. There was something about me that wanted to be entrepreneurial. And so, you know, I, I kind of wanted to steer the ship. And when it's not your ship to steer, it can get really frustrating. And it's no one's fault. It's just unfortunately the way that it is. And so there was this entrepreneurial bug inside of me that wanted to you know, take a shot at, at doing my own thing. But there was also this lack of courage and confidence to actually do it. And so I was wrestling internally with that, knowing all the while that I'm a coach, I'm a consultant, I enjoy helping people and those types of things. And so all that to say that it, the market forces kind of, you know, came to be in January of 2022, that it was a good time for me to start my own company and do my own thing. My, my family was supportive at that point, who I'd been kind of hiding behind because I've been a sole breadwinner for 14 years. And so I was like, well, I can't start my own thing. I've got to provide for my family. And my family was like, no, you need to go do your own thing because you're clearly not satisfied with what you're doing. And so I started in January, 2022. I really didn't know what I was going to do. I thought maybe mm. sales consulting since I was in sales for a long time. But I also very much saw the world from a marketing lens and the power of words and speech and communication, probably because of my background. Sure. And so it took me a couple of pivots. I think in the first 12 months, I pivoted twice to what I wanted to do. And I thought maybe I'd build a marketing agency. That was a bad idea. That's not for me. What I've discovered is that my strength is in crafting words and messaging and helping companies to create that foundational messaging that you then use in marketing. Sure. That you use on your website, you use in a blog post or in social media or in whatever you know marketing that you're doing, that your sales team uses to tell the story correctly in an engaging way with prospects. That's where my skill set really lies. And I also love doing client video testimonials. I think it's the most powerful marketing deliverable that there is. And I love doing video work. And so I enjoy interviewing my clients' customers and having them talk you know, about how great you know my client is. And then creating a testimonial video for my client. That's what I've focused in on. And the market has resonated with, yes, that's what you do best. And we want that. So it's been really affirming and good for me. And then I've been able to leverage my relationships to make those connections with 
marketing organizations, media organizations, technology that my clients could benefit from. And so building that network has been really valuable. But that's kind of how we got here. And it wasn't intentional. I tell people this all the time, the entrepreneurial journey, nobody knows what they're doing. We're all trying to figure it out. And a lot of times you discover that nugget of gold because you're walking the path. But if you don't walk the path to begin with, you're never going to find that. And so I I didn't plan to be where I am today, but I love where I am today. I love what we're doing. Yeah, my my partner, Derek, he he often says the biggest thing about entrepreneurship is just don't die. Like as long as you don't die, you know, then every day, yeah, you have a chance to discover the thing that's going to help you become successful. Um, yeah. which I think is a testament to what you just described, right? Like starting off, starting a bunch of different ways, but having that consistency and, you know, it's interesting. You said the family thing, I did the same thing as a, as an op, I think that's an easy obstacle for people to, I don't want to say hide behind cause it's real. Like it's a real thing that you have to deal with, but to, uh, it to does push become off. an excuse after a while, right? It does yeah, become an excuse it can after be. a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At least I, um, I was using it that way for sure. Yeah. And I think that's probably, it's probably common, but you know, in your case, them identifying that in you and saying like, no, no, you do need to try this. I think that's affirming, I'm sure for you and, and, and wanting to pursue it. Um, but the thing that I appreciate about you is I think there's a tendency and we've gone back and forth with this many times in our own journey. You know, there can be a tendency to be all things, especially when you're starting off because you just need revenue. You just need clients. And it's difficult to say no. And so for a long time, that was our story. You know, we were website builders and customer journey mappers and digital experience, whatever, and all these different things, podcast production, you know, brand, and, and also across industry. And what I love about you is you said, this is what I do. This is what I do really well. I do it for these people. And that's it. And it seems like that has, did, is that the thing that clicked that started to give you momentum or was it something else that you began to see like, okay, I'm starting, I'm going to survive. No, I mean, that was definitely it. And I think it's, it takes a while to get there. It's not something that you typically get right the first time, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes time to, you have to try a few things and then get some feedback from clients like that really, that was terrible. That was no good. Or we, <laughs> we're, we know we suck at that. I don't like that. Yeah. So for me at the beginning, yeah, it's like, you know, if somebody said, Hey, can you do this for us? Yeah, I'll do that for you. <laughs> I'll figure yeah, that out. Yeah. Which you, it's almost a necessity. It's also part of the journey, I think, to learning what you do well. But also if you don't figure out that niche, then you could get stuck in that for a long time and not really make a lot of inroads. And so part of it was me becoming more self-aware about who I am as a person, who I am as a leader, as a business owner the work that I really want to do and enjoy doing, but also what the marketplace really needed from me and was mm-hmm. willing to pay. And that's the coup de grace of it all. If you can find out what the market wants, what they're willing to pay for and what you do well and enjoy, that's where you, that's where you need to live. Yeah. And that's what I've learned in all of this is to find that. And part of it too was having really great friends. This is a side benefit of having a great network mm-hmm. of people who I do consider good friends of mine. I've spent time with, they know me, I know them is I had a couple of friends reach out to me or we were talking and they said, you know, I don't know that I like this version of you. And they weren't talking about me personally. They were talking about me from a business standpoint. They're like, Interesting. I don't know that I buy that. And hearing them say, I don't know that I buy that was actually affirming for me because I wasn't buying it. I was trying to be something. I was trying to do something. And when they said, I don't know if I buy that, I do buy this. Like, this is who I think you are. And it was really affirming. 
it was really affirming to hear that and to accept that, acknowledge that myself. So the journey was part me trying things and figuring out what I like and don't like or what the market thinks I do well and whatnot. And part of it was hearing from people I trust that said, yeah, I don't buy that. You know, I don't know if I buy that. And I had to say, yeah, I don't buy it either. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Let's figure out what we do buy. Let's figure out what we do best. And that's been the journey. It's been great. And it's been liberating because now it's easy to say no to stuff. If somebody wants me to build a website, no chance. I'm not even going to touch that. I know the people who <laughs> right. can do it. Right. I'll right. help you. I'll help you meet those people. Or if somebody says, Hey, will you write, you know, blogs for us? No, I'm not going to do that. I like writing. But one thing I learned is that writing blogs for me, easy. Writing blogs for you, that's a different skill set. Ghostwriting yeah, is yeah. not easy at all. And that's not one of my skill sets. And so it's really easy when you know what you do and you've got it dialed in to be able to say no. And that's mm -hmm. also very liberating. So like, I'm really happy with where we are. I want to just press on one, one thing you said there, because you know most of the people who listen to this are in marketing or, or in content creation of some kind. I think what you said about the friends pushing back and saying, you know, we don't believe that. And you saying, yeah, I don't believe that about myself. We've all felt that at certain times, right? Like we've all felt that like you're trying to put yourself out there, but you're just not quite right there. What, if you remember, or in a, if you, if not, that's fine too. But what was the thing that finally connected to where you said, okay, no, this is the thing that I'm supposed to do. And did your friends also acknowledge that? Or, you know, was it past that point? I'm just curious how you actually settled yeah. on that thing. Yeah, it's a great question. I've always enjoyed writing and creating. I've got books in my head that eventually will come out someday. Um, you know, I had a radio show in college where I could talk to myself and the people in the, on the air. Like, like words and writing and creating has never been a problem. And I didn't exactly know how that fit within marketing. I didn't mm -hmm. understand how it fit within marketing. And something I had to learn. But I actually had a friend who said, the same friend who said, I don't buy this version of you, but I actually, I buy this version of you. And if you buy this version of you, I think you should do this. And what he recommended was that I go and become certified through StoryBrand, through Donald Miller. And I'd read StoryBrand. I knew the concept. And I liked the concept a lot. But he goes, listen, if you go and do that and learn and get some structure and some organization, I think you could really help a lot of companies out here, especially tech companies who are great at building products, but they're not really great at telling their story, at messaging, mm -hmm. you know? And I said, man, that, that resonates. And so I reached out to StoryBrand. I talked to some of their people and just started to understand what it would look like to be certified, what it would look like, what kind of resources I would have and how that would help me with what I want to do. And it just really made sense. And so then I went through the certification program, you know, paid my investment, did that and got all these great materials that now help me really organize the creative element of me, mm -hmm. the writing side, the, the foundational messaging side of me with structure that is deliverable that I can give to a client. So now mm -hmm. I have these tools that I can then fill in with the messaging and hand over. And it's very useful, not only for the clients, but for the marketing companies that they end up working with who are also and this is, I didn't know this either. Almost every marketing company that I recommend to my clients based on budget or based on what they do, what do best, almost every one of them is, story, is a story brand shop. They, mm -hmm. they believe in the same framework. Yeah. So not only did it resonate with me, but now it's put me in a position where I can build the foundational messaging through the story brand framework and hand it to a marketing agency and they can run with it. Common language. And so yeah. it really all clicked. It was amazing. It was amazing. It's, like, it's such a cool system that that they've built over there. And like you said, like giving that common 
it's like software developers all coding in the same, you might be doing a different part of the website or a different part of the app, Yeah. but having that same language allows you to be able to swap parts and do different things and, and make things happen. So it's pretty cool. The other thing I really, you know, talking about extending and leaning into your strengths and the th thing that I appreciate about you is you've really, once you found the thing, you've gone all in. So for instance, I'll give you an example. You, when we talked previously, you're like, oh, I want to eventually be the Jimmy Fallon of the industry. Well, you're yeah, living yeah. up to that through, what do you, how many shows do you have? At the, at we, the we have four technically. Yeah. Four. When we say we, I mean, they're all, the beta they're all podcast hosted network. by you. <laughs> but it's not just me. It's just, it's really community and it's, it's just fascinating. So when I say we, I'll tell you some of the stories. So sure. one, of my, one of my podcasts called Word on the Street, one of my live shows, it's every Friday at noon and it's me plus nine others. And it's been that way for three years and it's not the same nine every mm -hmm. week. It's a variety of these people in the industry that keep showing up for this show and we have a great time and, you know, we've continued to advance it in terms of what we do and the segments we have and the people that we have on the guests, but that is definitely a we, there's no way that show still exists without the people who have supported it. And then now the sponsors that I have green screens and then Veo who have said, Hey, we want to be a part of this and other, you know, people who are potentially going to be sponsoring and, and being a part of it. So we developed that show over the last three years. It's been a lot of fun and we're continuing to have fun with it and, and figure stuff out. I do a Monday workout podcast or workout live show called Iron Mind. I saw it this Hayden week. Allred. Or last and week. Yeah. First time. That whole thing was his idea. Yeah. Like we were just working out doing these tough mutter things. And he goes, we should do like a show where we talk about mindset and helping salespeople get their minds right for the week. I said, let's do it. I mean, I'm the kind of person where I just don't mind trying stuff. You know, sure. let's try it. Let's yeah. see what happens. And it turns out it's been good. It's galvanized a community within supply chain to take their fitness a little bit more seriously, get out of bed on a Monday morning, you know, try to do something, get active. We've had many people reach out to us saying, thank you. I'm now training for my first 5k i've never thought cool. i could do that things that just kind of keep you going like yeah, yeah for sure this. but that's a we that's hayden and i doing that together and then standing out i had a friend when i started beta consulting group that said hey if you really want to work on getting your brand out there and having influence have a daily show i was like wow daily show that's a lot but i like the idea because i love podcasting i love having a show and so i did a daily show last year called standing out and I did over 200 episodes and it was phenomenal. It's one-on-one -on -one conversations like this, completely live with an audience, you know, people who follow along and make comments or whatever. And I, I love it. And we do it twice a week this year because I pulled back just a little bit because I had to figure out what I was going to do for my business. <laughs> so we pulled back. <laughs> but I really hope that like in 2024 or maybe 2025, we'll be able to go back to a five-day-a-week show because I loved it. I never had trouble getting guests. I have just some, so many amazing people in my industry that want to talk and Want to, want to support what we're doing. We've got a great sponsor, SPI Logistics, is a sponsor of that show. And I've got others who are, again, thinking about sponsoring that. And then I have The Edge, which is a monthly show that I just started. So we've had three episodes. And it's all about showcasing the newest, the latest in logistics technology. It's like an mm. open sales demo. And, you know, what I found is I want to remove the friction. Because if you have a webinar, people need to give their email. Some people don't want to do right. that. Right. I also want to create content for these companies to help them get their message out. And this is just an easy way to do it. So once yeah. a month, I pick a company, they come on the show, they share what they're doing, their platform, what problem they're solving. People get to watch live, creates content for them. And so it was just an idea that I had. And, and, and another we that I have to say is I have a podcast director and a communication director on my team. And their job is to make this stuff work. And they do a phenomenal job. They make it look great on air. 
in studio production, you'll hear from our, you know, if you talk to our guests, they'll say that the communication leading up to and after the show is just second to none. They're all doing that. So it's definitely a we, but we have four of them to answer your question. Yeah. And that's a ton. I mean, like, I understand you're not doing the daily anymore, but that is just a ton of work from firsthand experience, but it doesn't, it probably, it will put words in your mouth. It probably doesn't feel like the amount of work that it actually is because it's your unnatural strength, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'd say this too, you know, some people wake up and they think like, when am I going to go running today? Or some people wake up and think, man, I can't wait to get back into that book and start reading again. I wake up thinking, who do I get to talk to today? And that's really how I think about it. How can I make this a great experience for our guests? How can I tee it up so that they just knock it out of the park? You know, how can we, the purpose of our podcast of everything we do is to entertain, educate, and inspire. You know, how can we entertain people today? You know, bring some positivity to the stressful industry. How can we educate them with an experience that my guest has that will help them with a career move or something they're doing in their job? How can we inspire them just to, to be great or to work harder through something like that? And I wake up excited to do that. You know, I miss the days like Wednesday is the only day that I don't podcast, but it's it, the edge is on Wednesdays once a month. So once a month I get the podcast five days a week and that, okay. those are my favorite weeks, but Wednesday's the only day I don't have a show and it's, it's depressing sometimes. I, <laughs> I was going to say, I miss it. So. what do you do? Just walk around with the hood on all day? Just like, kind of, you know, <laughs> down, down, moping and around, yeah. you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be the day you go out on the golf course or something just to. It is on my care. calendar actually to play golf on Wednesday mornings. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Early. There you go. Good to make up for some of that. Well, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, where you've been, where you are right now. I'm curious, and some of this is going to be conjecture, of course, but like, where do you see your brands, your business, and really kind of content for the industry on the whole? Where do you see it going over the next 12 to 18 months? There's tons of stuff going on between AI, between I feel like the industry on the whole has finally caught up to the idea of, like you said, showcasing customer stories in a really beautiful way. You're seeing a lot more companies do that more effectively. You're starting to see people be able to do long form content more effectively, which is great. But what do you see coming on the horizon? Well, I certainly hope that we have more people and more companies that do create podcasts or shows or create content and tell stories. So I think that's the richness of everything that we're doing is sharing these stories that we have. I mean, Kevin O'Leary recently said that, you know, in, in previous companies, the most valuable person in his company was the developer. But now the most powerful person in his companies is the storyteller. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of truth with that because there's so many mediums to tell these stories and to make connections, you know, personal relationships and personal connections. And I hope that continues to happen. And I hope that I inspire people to do that. Some people say, well, aren't you afraid that more people are going to push you out? No. I think that's enough pie to go around. I really do. Yeah, and I for think sure. that more stories only makes this better. And I've got great friends in the industry who are doing that, like Chris Jolly and Blythe Brumley, even Paul Bernard Jaroslawski and Matt Leffler and Lauren Began and many others. A lot of companies that are doing podcasts. You know, Bangy Technology has one. Cargo Chief has one. A lot of companies are starting to have their own shows. I think it's phenomenal. I love it. I hope it continues. And I also hope that, you know, that people will kind of step out of, 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 those dreams that they have, those visions that they have of doing something like this and will be inspired to do it, to have the courage to start and to figure that out. So hopefully I can just be a catalyst for people in some of those ways to fulfilling the dreams that they have and the visions that they have. As far as, you know, like us, it's a great question. I don't, I don't know exactly where this trail leads, to be honest with you. I love what I'm doing. I love helping 
you know, companies build brands and tell their stories, love being an advocate for companies that I believe in like highway and green screens and some of the others in Bayo, some of the others that I've kind of attached my name to mm-hmm. love helping them out in that regard. And I, I don't know, we'll just kind of see where it goes. I think the biggest thing is I want to do work that I enjoy. That's valuable for the industry that makes an impact and that provides my family with what they need. And if I can check those boxes off, I don't really care what it looks like, to be honest with you. I don't know how big it's going to get. I don't know how many people I'm having my team. I don't think any of that stuff really at the end of it yeah. really matters too much. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of the era that we live in. That used to be the way that you had to build. And now there's plenty of different options and there are industries I would say that value that more, right? Like you need to yeah. have the right look, the right office space, the right walk up building. Our industry values results for the most part. And so and quality of relationships. So you don't really need to, to po- posture too much, but um, right. Cool. And I'd say this too, on, on the question of AI, just to get back to that, I'm excited about what AI is going to do potentially, you know, what it can do. I'm, I tend to be an early adopter in life. So I've been messing around with it a little bit. I think it's got a lot of potential to do some amazing things, especially when you think about AI from the standpoint of, of effectiveness, like how efficient and effective can a human being become? Yes. And we've already seen that with the internet. And to me, there's just an, another iteration of the internet. And here's an example. If I wanted to book a flight 20 years ago, I'd call Southwest Airlines and I'd have to talk to somebody and I'd book a flight, give them my credit card or whatever and, and get it. Before that, we had to actually go to the airport to buy an airplane mm-hmm. ticket. People don't remember that, but that's what we had to do before now. I'm excited for the day when I can tell my personal AI assistant, hey, go book me a flight to Savannah for these dates. Make sure I get there by this time. Use my Southwest account. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it just gets done. There's a lot of possibilities, way even way beyond that, for all of us to become more efficient human beings and more effective in our work. And maybe I can handle 20 clients at a time instead of right now, where I can only handle five to eight clients at a time right now. Maybe I can handle 20 or 30 as more of a solopreneur or smaller company as a result of some of these efficiencies. So I'm excited to see where it ends up. It's a little scary. The unknown always is, but I'm excited about it too. Totally agree. We, of course, this is all projections, but we have revenue goals, 10 year, whatever, five year, probably all change. We know that, but we just like to set goals in order to have something chased down. And right now we think based on where we want to go, based on where we are, we will end up needing half the people on the team that we thought we were going to need over the 10 year period, just based on how efficient everyone can become. And so that's super exciting for for operators like us, because, you know, you're just able to focus on the work and focus on your areas of excellence versus some of the other things of having to scale a certain way. And again, it's just that optionality. You can still scale that way if you want to, but I think it's going to provide us with more and more tools to, to do things as we see fit. So. We're very yeah, excited. I agree with that. And it's, and it is, it's very exciting to think about just how efficient you can become and to work in that direction. I think the question that's going to be asked is when you need help, the question is going to be what technology can help me here as opposed to who can I hire? Mm-hmm. And again, it's not anything against hiring people, but if you can create a process and use technology in a way that's more efficient, um, it, I think it, it does a couple of things. It allows you to do more with less, but I think it also allows people, and this is something I really want to encourage people to do, it allows people to really pursue what they are passionate about as opposed to mm. just a job. Mm. And I wish more people had the opportunity to, or would take the opportunity to do like what we're doing of starting a company and figuring this out because it's such an incredible journey. And I told this to somebody recently, it's like, you know, being becoming an entrepreneur is a lot like jumping off a 50 foot cliff into a river. 
as you climb up that mountain and get close to the top, it gets scarier and scarier to think about doing it. Like it just really starts to freak you out a little bit. And you might even try to talk yourself out of it. And many people do. Mm-hmm. But the moment that you jump off that cliff, the fear goes away because now you've done it and you survive, you have fun. And then now a couple things happened. One, you want to do it again mm-hmm. because it was so much fun. I could see why entrepreneurs become serial entrepreneurs and want to start new things because you want to do it again. But then two, you want to tell everybody, go jump off of that thing. That was yes. amazing. Go do it. Yeah. And so that's my message to people is go do it. And if you've got a dream or a vision, don't just settle for a job because you think you need it. Go build a dream. Go try this out because it's incredible. If you have an inkling of a vision or a passion in your life, go do it. I want to see people do that. I think our world would be better if people would do that. Yeah. I love it. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think it's a great place to to wrap this up at. So really appreciate you joining us, Trey. Well, I think, you know, we're working on some things. Hopefully we'll have some things to announce soon of being able to, to do more of this type of stuff together. And uh, so we'll definitely do it again. But, but between now and then, where can folks follow along with all the different things that you're working on? Two easy ways to connect with us betaconsultinggroup.com and click on that button that says schedule a meeting with me. I'd love to talk to you and hear your story and start working together. And then of course on LinkedIn, just shoot me a DM, connect me on LinkedIn. That's, uh, that's the easiest way to, to connect with me. Awesome, man. We'll appreciate doing you doing this and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Adam. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Content is for Closers. We hope you find this show really helpful as you grow your business with content. Maybe you know of other people who would find this show helpful as well. How about you send them our way? If you didn't like this show and you want to tell us that, then you can head over to contentisforclosers.com where you can send us a message, give us some feedback, ask questions, or find detailed notes for every episode. Until next time, keep creating and keep closing.